Chapter Three of the Permanent Husband by Fyodor Dostoevsky. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The crape man stood rooted to the spot, dumb with astonishment. Both men stood opposite one another on the landing, and both stared in each other's eyes, silent and motionless. So passed a few moments, and suddenly, like a flash of lightning, Velchaninoff became aware of the identity of his guest. At the same moment the latter seemed to guess that Velchaninoff had recognized him. Velchaninoff could see it in his eyes. In one instant the visitor's whole face was ablaze with its very sweetest of smiles. "'Surely I have the pleasure of speaking to Alexey Ivanovitch?' he asked, in the most dulcet of voices, comically inappropriate to the circumstances of the case. "'Surely you are Pavel Pavlovitch Pruzotsky? asked Velchaninoff in return, after a pause, and with an expression of much perplexity. "'I had the pleasure of your acquaintance ten years ago at tea. And, if I may remind you of the fact, we were almost intimate friends.' "'Quite so. Oh, yes. But it is now three o'clock in the morning, and you have been trying my lock for the last ten minutes.' Three o'clock!' cried the visitor, looking at his watch with an air of melancholy surprise. "'Why, so it is! Dear me! Three o'clock! Forgive me, Alexey Ivanovitch! I ought to have found it out before thinking of paying you a visit. I will do myself the honour of calling to explain another day. And now I—' "'Oh, no! No, no! If you are to explain at all, let's have it at once, this moment!' interrupted Velchaninoff warmly. "'Kindly step in here, into the room. You must have meant to come in, you know. You didn't come here at night like this, simply for the pleasure of trying my lock.' He felt excited, and at the same time was conscious of a sort of timidity. He could not collect his thoughts. He was ashamed of himself for it. There was no danger, no mystery about the business, nothing but the silly figure of Pavel Pavlovitch and yet he could not feel satisfied that there was nothing particular in it. He felt afraid of something to come, he knew not what or when. However, he made the man enter, seated him in a chair, and himself sat down on the side of his bed, a yard or so off, and rested his elbows on his knees while he quietly waited for the other to begin. He felt irritated. He stared at his visitor and let his thoughts run. Strangely enough, the other never opened his mouth. He seemed to be entirely oblivious of the fact that it was his duty to speak. Nay, he was even looking inquiringly at Velchaninoff, as though quite expecting that the latter would speak to him. Perhaps he felt a little uncomfortable at first, somewhat as a mouse must feel when he finds himself unexpectedly in the trap. Velchaninoff very soon lost his patience. "'Well!' he cried. You are not a fantasy or a dream or anything of that kind, are you? You aren't a corpse, are you? Come, my friend, this is not a game or play. I want your explanation, please." The visitor fidgeted about a little, smiled, and began to speak cautiously. "'So far as I can see,' he said, "'the time of night of my visit is what surprises you, and that I should have come as I did. In fact, when I remember the past, and our intimacy, and all that, I am astonished myself. But the fact is, I did not mean to come in at all. And if I did so, it was purely an accident." "'An accident?' 
Why, I saw you creeping across the road on tiptoes. You saw me? Indeed. Come, then you know as much or more about the matter than I do. But I see I am annoying you. This is how it was. I've been in town three weeks or so on business. I am Pavel Pavlovich Trusotsky. You recognize me yourself. My business in town is to effect an exchange of departments. I am trying for a situation in another place, one with a large increase of salary. But all this is beside the point. The fact of the matter is, I believe I have been delaying my business on purpose. I believe if everything were settled at this moment, I should still be dawdling in this St. Petersburg of yours in my present condition of mind. I go wandering about as though I had lost all interest in things, and were rather glad of the fact, in my present condition of mind. "'What condition of mind?' asked Velchaninoff, frowning. The visitor raised his eyes to Velchaninoff's, lifted his hat from the ground beside him, and with great dignity pointed out the black crape band. "'There, sir, in that condition of mind,' he observed. Velchaninoff stared stupidly at the crape, and thence at the man's face. Suddenly his face flushed up in a hot blush for a moment, and he was violently agitated. "'Not Natalia Vasilievna, surely!' "'Yes, Natalia Vasilievna. Last March. Consumption, sir. And almost suddenly. All over in two or three months. And here am I, left as you see me.' So saying, Pavel Pavlovitch, with much show of feeling, bent his bald head down, and kept it bent for some ten seconds, while he held out his two hands, in one of which was the hat with the band, in explanatory emotion. This gesture, and the man's whole air, seemed to brighten Velchaninoff up. He smiled sarcastically for one instant, not more at present, for the news of this lady's death, he had known her so long ago, and had forgotten her many a year since had made a quite unexpected impression upon his mind. "'Is it possible?' he muttered, using the first words that came to his lips. "'And pray, why did you not come here and tell me at once?' "'Thanks for your kind interest. I see and value it, in spite of—' "'In spite of what?' "'In spite of so many years of separation, you at once sympathized with my sorrow, and in fact with myself, and so fully, too.' that I feel naturally grateful. That's all I had to tell you, sir. Don't suppose I doubt my friends, you know. Why, even here, in this place, I could put my finger on several very sincere friends indeed. For instance, Stepan Mikhailovich Bagantov. But remember, my dear Alexey Ivanovitch, nine years have passed since we were acquaintances, or friends, if you'll allow me to say so and meanwhile you have never been to see us, never written." The guest sang all this out as though he were reading it from music, and kept his eyes fixed on the ground the while, although, of course, he saw what was going on above his eyelashes exceedingly well all the same. Velchaninoff had found his head by this time. With a strange sort of fascinated attention, which strengthened itself every moment, he continued to gaze at and listen to Pavel Pavlovitch, and of a sudden, when the latter stopped speaking, a flood of curious ideas swept unexpectedly through his brain. "'But look here!' he cried. "'How is it that I never recognized you all this while? We've met five times, at least, in the streets.' 
"'Quite so. I am perfectly aware of the circumstance. You chanced to meet me two or three times, and—' "'No, no, you met me, you know, not I you.' Belchaninov suddenly burst into a roar of laughter, and rose from his seat. Pavel Pavlovitch paused a moment, looked keenly at Belchaninov, and then continued. "'As to your not recognizing me, in the first place you might easily have forgotten me by now. And besides, I have had smallpox since last we met, and I dare say my face is a good deal marked.' "'Smallpox? Why, how did you manage that? He has had it, though, by Jove!' cried Belchaninov. "'What a funny fellow you are! However, go on, don't stop.' Velchaninoff's spirits were rising higher and higher. He was beginning to feel wonderfully light-hearted. That feeling of agitation, which had lately so disturbed him, had given place to quite a different sentiment. He now began to stride up and down the room very quickly. "'I was going to say,' resumed Pavel Pavlovitch, "'that though I have met you several times, and though I quite intended to come and look you up when I was arranging my visit to Petersburg, still I was in that condition of mind, you know, and my wits have so suffered since last March that... Wits since last March, yes, go on, wait a minute, do you smoke? Oh, you know, Natalia Vasilyevna never... Quite so, but since March, eh? Well, I might, a cigarette or so... Here you are, then. Light up and go on. Go on. You interest me wonderfully." Velchaninov lit a cigar and sat down on his bed again. Pavel Pavlovitch paused a moment. "'But what a state of agitation you seem to be in yourself,' said he. "'Are you quite well?' "'Oh, curse my health!' cried Velchaninov. "'You go on!' The visitor observed his host's agitation with satisfaction. He went on with his share of the talking with more confidence. "'What am I to go on about?' he asked. "'Imagine me, Alexey Ivanovitch, a broken man, not simply broken, but gone at the root, as it were, a man forced to change his whole manner of living, after twenty years of married life, wandering about the dusty roads without an object, mind lost, almost oblivious of his own self, and yet, as it were, taking some sort of intoxicated delight in his loneliness. Isn't it natural that if I should, at such a moment of self-forgetfulness, come across a friend, even a dear friend, I might prefer to avoid him for that moment? And isn't it equally natural that at another moment I should long to see and speak with someone who has been an eye-witness of, or a partaker, so to speak, in my never-to-be-recalled past? and to rush, not only in the day, but at night, if it so happens, to rush to the embrace of such a man. Yes, even if one has to wake him up at three in the morning to do it. I was wrong in my time, not in my estimate of my friend, though, for at this moment I feel the full rapture of success. My rash action has been successful. I have found sympathy. As for the time of night, I confess I thought it was not twelve yet. You see, one sups of grief, and it intoxicates one. At least, not grief exactly, it's more the condition of mind, the new state of things that affects me. "'Dear me, how oddly you express yourself,' said Velchaninoff, rising from his seat once more, and becoming quite serious again. "'Oddly, do I?' 
Perhaps. Look here, are you joking? Joking! cried Pavel Pavlovitch, in shocked surprise. Joking! At the very moment when I am telling you of... Oh, be quiet about that, for goodness' sake. Velchaninoff started off on his journey up and down the room again. So matters stood for five minutes or so. The visitor seemed inclined to rise from his chair, but Velchaninoff bade him sit still, and Pavel Pavlovitch obediently flopped into his seat again. "'How changed you are!' said the host at last, stopping in front of the other chair, as though suddenly struck with the idea. "'Fearfully changed!' wonderful you're quite another man that's hardly surprising nine years sir no 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 years have nothing to do with it it's not in appearance you are so changed it's something else well sir the nine years might account for anything perhaps it's only since march eh <laughs> you are playful sir said pavel pavlovitch laughing slyly but if I may ask it, wherein am I so changed? Oh, why, you used to be such a staid, sober, correct Pavel Pavlovitch, such a wise Pavel Pavlovitch, and now you're a good-for-nothing sort of Pavel Pavlovitch. Velchaninoff was in that state of irritation when the steadiest, gravest people will sometimes say rather more than they mean. Good-for-nothing, am I? and wise no longer i suppose eh chuckled pavel pavlovitch with disagreeable satisfaction wise indeed my dear sir i'm afraid you are not sober replied velchaninoff and added to himself i am pretty fairly insolent myself but i can't compare with this little cad and what on earth is the fellow driving at oh my dear good my best of alexey ivanovitches said the visitor suddenly, most excitedly, and twisting about on his chair. And why should I be sober? We are not moving in the brilliant walks of society, you and I, just now. We are but two dear old friends come together, in the full sincerity of perfect love, to recall and talk over that sweet mutual tie of which the dear departed formed so treasured a link in our friendship. So saying, the sensitive gentleman became so carried away by his feelings that he bent his head down once more to hide his emotion, and buried his face in his hat. Dolchaninoff looked on with an uncomfortable feeling of disgust. "'I can't help thinking the man is simply silly,' he thought. "'And yet? No, no, his face is so red he must be drunk. But drunk or not drunk, what does the little wretch want with me? That's the puzzle. Do you remember, or don't you remember, our delightful little evenings, dancing sometimes, or sometimes literary, at Simeon Simeonovitch's, continued the visitor, gradually removing his hat from before his face, and apparently growing more and more enthusiastic over the memories of the past. And our little readings, you and she and myself, and our first meeting, when you came in to ask for information about something connected with your business in the town, and commenced shouting angrily at me, don't you remember, when suddenly in came Natalia Vasilyevna, and within ten minutes you were our dear friend, and so remained for exactly a year? Just like Turgenev's story, the Provincialka. Velchaninoff had continued his walk up and down the room during this tirade, 
with his eyes on the ground, listening impatiently and with disgust, but listening hard all the same. "'It never struck me to think of the Provincialka in connection with the matter,' he interrupted. "'And look here. Why do you talk in that sneaking, whining sort of voice? You never used to do that. Your whole manner is unlike yourself.' "'Quite so, quite so. I used to be more silent, I know.' I used to love to listen while others talked. You remember how well the dear departed talked, the wit and grace of her conversation. As to the Provincialka, I remember she and I used often to compare your friendship for us to certain episodes in that piece, and especially to the doings of one Stupendif. It really was remarkably like that character and his doings. What Stupendif do you mean, confound it all? cried Belchaninoff, stamping his foot with rage. The name seemed to have evoked certain most irritating thoughts in his mind. "'Why, Stupendif, don't you know? The husband in Provincialka!' whined Pavel Pavlovitch, in the very sweetest of tones. "'But that belongs to another set of fond memories. After you departed, in fact, when Mr. Bogantov had honoured us with his friendship, just as you had done before him, only that his lasted five whole years. Bogantov? What Bogantov? Do you mean that same Bogantov who was serving down in your town? Why, he also? Yes, yes, quite so. He also, he also, cried the enthusiastic Pavel Pavlovitch, seizing upon Belchaninoff's accidental slip. Of course, so that there you are. There's the whole company. Bogantov played the Count, the dear departed was the Provincialka, and I was the husband, only that the part was taken away from me, for incapacity, I suppose. Yes, fancy you a stupendif. You're a... you're first a Pavel Pavlovich Trusotsky, said Velchaninoff contemptuously, and very unceremoniously. But look here, Bogantov is in town, I know he is, for I have seen him. Why don't you go to see him as well as myself? My dear sir, I have been there every day for the last three weeks. He won't receive me. He's ill and can't receive. And do you know, I have found out that he really is very ill? Fancy my feelings, a five years friend. Oh, my dear Alexey Ivanovitch, you don't know what my feelings are in my present condition of mind. I assure you, at one moment I long for the earth to open and swallow me up, and the next I feel that I must find one of those old friends, eyewitnesses of the past, as it were, if only to weep on his bosom, only to weep, sir, give you my word. Well, that's about enough for tonight, don't you think so? said Velchaninoff cuttingly. Oh, too, too much! cried the other, rising. It must be four o'clock, and here am I agitating your feelings in the most selfish way. Now look here, I shall call upon you myself, and I hope that you will then... But tell me honestly, are you drunk tonight? Drunk! Not the least in the world! Did you drink nothing before you came here, or earlier? Do you know, my dear Alexey Ivanovitch, you are quite in a high fever? Good night. I shall call to-morrow. And I have noticed it all the evening, really quite delirious, 
continued Pavel Pavlovitch, licking his lips, as it were, with satisfaction as he pursued this theme. I am really quite ashamed that I should have allowed myself to be so awkward as to agitate you. Well, well, I'm going. Now you must lie down at once and go to sleep. You haven't told me where you live, shouted Velchaninoff after him as he left the room. Oh, didn't I? Pokrovsky Hotel. Pavel Pavlovitch was out on the stairs now. Stop! cried Velchaninoff once more. You are not running away, are you? How do you mean, running away? asked Pavel Pavlovitch, turning round at the third step, and grinning back at him, with his eyes staring very wide open. Instead of replying, Velchaninoff banged the door fiercely, locked and bolted it, and went fuming back into his room. Arriving there, he spat on the ground, as though to get rid of the taste of something loathsome. He then stood motionless for at least five minutes, in the centre of the room, after which he threw himself upon his bed, and fell asleep in an instant. The forgotten candle burned itself out in its socket. End of chapter 3